Hi, and welcome to Comchurch Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. I want to speak to you this morning um, about a word that I've just had for ages, underestimated. Do you know, Julian asked me this morning, he said, is it about your height, Sarah? Uh, You see... My children are finally bigger than me. It's hard. I'm the smallest in my family. It's it's not right when your children keep going. Anyway, I'm wondering if there's anything that's holding you back from being all that God has called you to be. You see, for some people, it's a fear that they're not good enough, that they're not worthy. For others, it's that they've been told that they're not good enough. They've been made to feel small. Someone in their life has has given them that impression that they're never going to be good enough. Maybe they think that God isn't happy with them. Or maybe you've underestimated what God can do in you and through you. You Sarah shared on Mother's Day about the imposter syndrome, and I I certainly struggle with this myself. The imposter syndrome, if you weren't there, is this belief that you can't be good enough, you're never going to be able to fill those shoes, and that you're, you're somehow blagging your way through life. Where do you find your worth? Now, I've always... I struggle with this. I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I, I really struggle with my own self-worth. And it, as part of the body of Christ, I always think I'm, I'm a body part that's insignificant. I'm, I'm that little toe, the toe that that you know you could break and you wouldn't even notice and uh, and God said to me what does the toe do Sarah oh it's just useless no no it's not have a look and you know the toes they bear weight they support they bring balance so Lord if you can use me to do that in the body of Christ then I am willing whatever body body part of course you are you need to be connected to the head Well, there's lots of characters in the Bible that didn't see their worth or thought that they weren't good enough. Moses is someone who really struggled with self-doubt. He underestimated himself. In Exodus 4 and verse 10, it says that Moses raised another objection to God. I like that he's just like, but God, but God, I wonder if you're like that. I'm like that. But God, are you sure? He says, Master, please, I don't talk well. I've never been good with words, and neither before nor after you spoke to me, I stutter and I stammer. Maybe that's how you're feeling today. Who am I? Who am I? Because he goes on in, in Exodus 6, 11. Who am I to go to the king and lead your people out of Egypt? Who, who am I to do that? In essence, I, I'm just a murderer. I can't talk in front of people. Who am I to do that? But God chose Moses. God chose him, someone who even was underestimated by the people. You know, Pharaoh laughed when they got to the edge of the Red Sea. Even the Israelites, after all he did, even the Israelites were questioning his authority. They complained to him in Exodus 14, 11. Wasn't there enough room? I'm I'm doing like the naggy voice. I'm imagining it's like this. Wasn't there enough room in Egypt to bury us? Is that why you brought us out here to die in the desert? Why did you bring us out of Egypt anyway? I can imagine there's that constant nag. 
And when you have people around you that do that, you can start to doubt yourself. You can start to doubt your, your self-worth. But God told Moses to do what seems like foolishness to the world. Stretch out your rod. And he didn't think he could do it, but he was underestimated what God could do through him. And I love David. David, who was underestimated by other people as well. Samuel was told by God, you're going to go to Jesse's house and you're going to anoint the king. So uh, out came Eliab and, uh, and I'm sure Samuel was like, oh, that's the one. He's tall, he's handsome, he's the good looking one. And God says this to him, uh, 1 Samuel 16, 7. Samuel, don't think that Eliab is the one just because he's tall and handsome. He isn't the one I've chosen People judge others by what they look like, but I judge people by what is in their hearts. Maybe you need that that reminder today. And the prophet Samuel had to reject another seven of Jesse's sons. And then Jesse goes, well, I've only got another son and, you know, he's he's insignificant. He's young and he's just just a shepherd boy. (laughs) You, You wouldn't want him. But God chose David. God chose that youngest, even though... Just a shepherd boy. Jesse thought that God must have lost his mind. But he underestimated who David was through God, who he was in God's eyes. Maybe you've been overlooked. Maybe you've been passed by. People like, them? But God's in the business of using ordinary people. He's in the business of using the people that are lowly in the world's eyes and doing amazing things through them. And, of course, David went on to kill giants. <laughs> I wonder how we're judging ourselves and maybe other people in God's service. Are we being like Samuel and just looking at the outer appearance? Do we feel like because we're not good enough and we're not clever enough and we're not tall enough and we're not handsome enough that we've got nothing to offer God? You know, other people might not see your worth, but God does. Some of you need to hear that this morning. You might not feel worthy. God has such worth in his eyes for you. And I've got a little challenge for you. Are we picking people for our team because of how they look in the world's eyes or by their heart? I'm being challenged on this myself. Are we following Jesus and listening to him instead of doing what the world will go for? You aren't too young like David, or like Timothy, as I'm going to read to you from, you're not too young. If you've, if you're, you've been told, that, well, who are you? You're just a little baby Christian, or you're just, you're just too young. Who are you? This is what, this is what Paul told Timothy in, in 1 Timothy 4.12. Do not let anyone treat you as if you are unimportant, because you are young. Instead, be an example to the believers with your words, your actions, your love, your faith, and your pure life. That's the um, NCV, if you're wondering that, that version. But equally, you're not too old. You're not too old. Thinking of Abraham and Sarah and Noah, thinking that they were, they were too old. Some of you are feeling like you're too old to be used anymore, that you've, you've done your time. You haven't. Don't underestimate the power of your encouraging words, guys. 
Don't underestimate the power of your prayer, the wisdom that you've gained over the, over the years that you can impart to the younger generations. You are not too old. You're not too young and you're not too broken and you're not too tainted and you're not too damaged to be used by him. Don't underestimate who you are in Christ. See, where do we find our affirmation? The world find it in how many followers they've got, how many friends, how popular they are, maybe in their finances, on social media, how many likes they're getting. That's not how we're meant to judge our worth. Some people in their achievements, in their qualifications, in how much money they've got in their finances. But we're meant to look in Christ alone. And our greatest mistake is when we judge our capability or even God's by our standards. Maybe you don't get why he is using you. That's, that's how I feel quite a lot of the time. I don't, I don't get it, Lord. I'm, I'm available. I don't, I don't get why you'd want to use me. And, uh, and I struggle. I think I've shared this with a few people before that I always think if you come out for prayer and you get me, that you've got a, a duff job there and that, that you, you probably wanted someone better than me, someone more holy, someone, someone closer to God. I, I do think that. And um, I, I'm, I'm just going to be raw and honest with you. But I've heard recently... The, of some of the, the prayers that have been answered. And that just fills me with such excitement. There have been healings. The people have got jobs, lives transformed, marriages restored. I'm like, oh, Lord, you're using me, despite how I feel about myself. Can I just say, if, uh, if people have prayed for you uh, and you haven't told them that prayer was answered, go and tell them. It's so encouraging to know that. And maybe if we felt totally comfortable, maybe that's not faith anyway. Maybe we're not walking by faith. And if we could do it all, is that really walking in faith? Anyway, the book of Acts is just full of ordinary people like us. I love the book of Acts when you you see people that are just ordinary, uneducated. They um, were broken people. They were a failed people. But they were used mightily by God. Don't underestimate what God can do in and through you. Um, one of my favorite stories is, um, is the feeding of the 5,000. And I think it's really relevant. And um, of all of the, uh, all the miracles that Jesus did, other than the resurrection story, the, the feeding of the 5,000 is the only one that appears in all four Gospels. And there's, there's slight differences, and I know that. And, and rather than it being contradictory, I like to think of it like you know, different camera angles of the same story. So I just want to set the scene. Uh, Jesus has just found out that his cousin has been killed. John the Baptist has been beheaded, and he's in a, a sad place. And he, he goes off, he, he wants time to recuperate but the crowds were having none of it, <laughs> not any of it. So we're going to look at John chapter 6 um, to read this story, but you can find this story in, in any of the Gospels. So John chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus crossed Lake Galilee, which was also na- known as Lake Tiberias. A large crowd had seen him work miracles to heal the sick, and those people went with him. It was almost time for the Jewish festival of Passover, And Jesus went up the mountain with his disciples and sat down. When Jesus saw the large crowd coming towards him, he asked Philip, 
where will we get enough food to feed all these people? Maybe he was just asking Philip where the local shops are. We don't know, but actually, this is what God does all the time, doesn't he? He asks us questions. He knows the answer. He just wants to stir in us. He asked questions, of course, people like Adam and Eve in the garden. Where are you? He, he knew the answer. So let's, let's carry on. So verse 6. He said this to test Philip, since he already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, don't you know that it would take almost a year's wages just to buy only a little bread for all of these people? Any of you, the Philips in here, I'm a Philip. I'm like, but Lord... Can't you see that, that that's going to cost a lot of money? Have you, have you thought about this, God? He, his mind went quickly to, to the, the workings of the project, the calculations. He was calculating the man hours it would take for, for um, all these people to be fed. And he approached it as if it all depended on him. But it, he underestimated what God was going to do. In um, Matthew, in the same story, but it's in Matthew 14, verse 16 says... They don't need to go. You give them something to eat. The onus is on, on us to make the move. Okay, so verse 8. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the disciples. He spoke up and said, There is a boy here who has five small loaves of barley bread and two fish. But what good is that with all these people? The ground was covered with grass, and Jesus told his disciples to tell everyone to sit down. About 5,000 men were in the crowd. In um, Matthew's version, um, verse 14, 21, um, he specifies that that was the number besides the women and the children. So there were definitely a lot more than 5,000. Verse 11, uh, Jesus took the bread in his hands and he gave thanks to God. I want you to note here that Jesus was giving thanks for what could never be enough. We need to be grateful for the what can never be enough so that we can understand and be totally grateful for the more than enough. You know, if maybe this is your prayer, Lord, I'm not happy with my marriage at the moment, but I'm grateful for it. I'm, this is not the job I wanted, Lord, but I'm grateful for it. I haven't got the money I needed, but I'm grateful for it. Let's start being grateful for what he has given us. Grateful for the not quite enough so that we can be grateful for them more than enough. Sorry, back to verse 11. Then he passed the bread to the people, and he did the same with the fish until everyone had plenty to eat. The people ate all they wanted, and Jesus told his disciples to gather up the leftovers so there would be nothing to waste. The disciples gathered them up and filled 12 large baskets with what was left over from the five barley loaves. After the people had seen Jesus work this miracle, they began saying, this must be the prophet who is going to come into the world. I love that Jesus uses the disciples to do that work. He could have gone, ta-da, and everyone, oh, a plate of food. He could have done that, but he chose to use his disciples to get there. In Luke um, 9, verse 3, so the same story, but in Luke, Jesus had previously said to them, don't bring anything with you. He knew what he was going to do. They, they weren't prepared with anything. He was about to come through. They had to be in that place where they had to completely rely on God. Maybe he's getting you to that place where you've got nothing left, only a small offering, and then he's going to come through for you. 
children were not important in those days. You don't, they, their um, ranking wasn't high. And that little boy who had his lunch, he wasn't counted in those 5,000, but he counted. He wasn't counted, but boy, did he count. And um, some of you maybe need to hear that. You might feel like you don't count in your family. You don't count in your job. You might even, in the church you go to, you might not even have found your place. You might not think that you count, but you count. You count. God was going to use someone that everyone overlooked to perform that miracle. You know, that mum, she packed, probably packed that his, his little lunchbox every day, packing his, packing his food. And she was packing ingredients for a miracle. But it was just an everyday thing. She probably packed that loads of times before. And God uses all kinds of people in his work. And it's often the weakest, the people that are not important in man's eyes that he uses the most. Don't get caught up thinking that your life is just mundane. Oh, it's just ordinary. God uses the everyday things. He's not looking for the next big thing. He's looking for the next obedient person, as the the guys were sharing this morning. He wants us to be at the place where we've only got two fish and five loaves. This is all I've got, Lord. Will you use it? Will you use it? He's waited that long for you to be in that position. And then no man can take the credit. So stop looking at what God's given you and going, I'm only. I'm only this. I'm only this role. I've just got this role. No one sees what I'm doing. I've only got this. Stop looking at the only and look at what you have and ask God to use it. Note that Jesus said to them, pick up the broken pieces. You know, those broken pieces, they needed those as little memory when they were going into the next thing. You see, they were going straight into a storm. And they had to remember that God is the God of miracles. And they've got those pieces as a reminder in the next, in the next part of their lives. The enemy's going to make you feel like your contribution isn't big enough. It's not good enough. Thinking of like the story with Elijah and the oil. It make you think you're not good enough. And maybe you're at that point now and you're feeling insignificant and you're feeling underestimated. Maybe you are someone who works behind the scenes. I just want to say to you, thank you. If you're a behind the scenes worker and you're not getting the credit, you're not a platform person, don't worry about that because God sees what you've done and he's grateful to you and he's going to bless you. I like, I like reading in um, Ephesians 6 about Tychicus. I like this guy. We don't hear preached on him. We hear about Paul. But he was the support for Paul. He was an unpaid, unseen worker, giving, giving Paul that help and that support. Some of you, that's your role. And that's okay. Because God's put you in that role to, to minister to people. Let's be willing to play a supporting role serve people and serve God. You know, Jesus himself said, I've, I've not come to be served, but to serve. And if God, King of Kings, came to serve, how much more so do we need to be in that place? I'm going to confess to you, I, uh, there's some, uh, some scriptures that I skip on by. 
I'm like, I like the good stuff. I like an inspirational word. And then if it's got a list of people, I'm like, ah, move on, move on. But I was drawn to Romans 16. Guys, read Romans 16 when you have a moment. Romans 16 is just a list, but it's a list of people that are playing the supporting roles. It's mostly women, <clears throat> this ladies, it's mostly women who are being thanked by Paul for the ministry that they've been doing. It's people that are, that, that it's the little people. It's the people that work tirelessly behind the scenes that never get the credit, including, by the way, Tertius. In Romans 16, verse 22, you find out who actually wrote Romans, because we all go, well, Paul wrote Romans. Tertius was the one who actually was the scribe, and he, he's got this little note. He says, hi, I'm greeting you. I'm the scribe. I, I love that. So uh, it's like a, a list of thanks. Oh, by the way, in the last point, it ends with God. He, he thanks God at the end. Um, but it's like a, a list of, of CD credits. I, I like to read the little bit in the CD because I like to sing along. My poor family, <laughs> I sing along to every song. Uh, but the very back is the, is the credits of the CD. And they're the people, they're the unsung heroes. They're the people that have made it happen. Most of the time, we, we look at people and we go, oh, look, they're so amazing. But there are countless people behind the scenes who've made that happen. And you didn't see them, but God did. All the people that have had anything to do with making it happen. There are people sat today who've made today happen. You ignore the stuff on the stage. People here set out the chairs and cleaned and have cooked and have served tirelessly, often mostly unpaid, um, mostly unseen. Let's, let's start being grateful. Let's make a point of saying thank you to people. Uh, Rob and I like to, like to phone up customer services of when people do a good job for us. And you, when you phone them up, they're ready. They're like, yeah, so what's happened now? And we say, we're just ringing to say that um, so-and-so just did a brilliant job for us. Sorry? You can hear them like, like completely shocked. Sorry, you've, is there a problem? No, there's no problem. I'm just ringing to say thank you. And can you, I'm just commending that person because they, were, they did a really great job. They were really kind and polite or really helpful. That makes such a difference. I tell you what, that, that will start shocking people because they're, they're ready for the negativity. The world's just always getting negativity. Let's be the ones to bring positivity, to bring thanks to people. Let's, let's not be entitled Christians. That is not what we, we're children of God. Yes, we are. Yes, we're children of the King. But let's not be entitled. Let's serve. Let's come to serve because God is going to shatter the expectations of what we think we can do if we would just bring to him what he's already given to us. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Michael McIntyre, the uh, unexpected star of the show. Are, are you ready to be the unexpected star of the show, to bring all that he's given you and to offer it to him? 1 Corinthians in chapter 1, verses 26 to 29. I'm reading this from the Passion Translation, which is like my new favourite Bible. Um, have, a, have a look in whatever translation you've got, but I love these words. So this is 1 Corinthians um, 1, 26 to 29. Brothers and sisters, consider who you were when God called you to salvation. Not many of you were wise scholars by human standards, nor were many of you in positions of power. Not many of you were considered the elite when you answered God's call. 
But God chose those who the world considers foolish to shame those who think they are wise. And God chose the puny and the powerless to shame the high and mighty. He chose the lowly, the laughable in the world's eyes, the nobodies, so that he would shame the somebodies. For he chose what is regarded as insignificant in order to supersede what is regarded as prominent so that there will be no place for prideful boasting in God's presence. I love that scripture. You know, he's a, he's a God of second chances. If you're feeling like you, you've had your, your turn and you've messed it up, he's the God of second chances. The story of Mephibosheth comes to mind in um, 2 Samuel chapter 9. Um, David was restoring to Mephibosheth the, what was due to Jonathan, his, his father's family. And Mephibosheth, was a, he was a cripple, and he'd lost his heritage. He lived in a desolate place. It was a place called Lodabar, which translated means land of nothing. He'd been reduced to having nothing. But he bowed down, and he said, What is your servant that you would notice a dead dog like me? And he's such a wonderful example of the redemption available to those who come humbly before the king. Jesus is is the king, and he's given us a place at the Lord's table, at the king's table forever. No matter that we've got nothing, that you may have been shamed and rejected or hurt, or you might feel too young, or you might feel that you're too old, we have got an inheritance of royalty So are you willing to be used wherever he's put you, with whatever he's given you? I was going to ask what's in your lunchbox, but that isn't the right thing to say, is it? But what's in your pat lunch? What's in your basket? What are your two fish and your five loaves? What what is your offering? Your every day, I'm just a normal person offering, but I want to be used by God. And whether it's unseen or seen by man, know that God sees it. And he delights in taking the humble and the insignificant and the underestimated people in the eyes of man and using them for his glory. I want you to remember who you are in Jesus. Remember your worth. You might feel like you're back here. You're, you're in the wings. Sorry, microphone people. If this is gonna, you might feel like you're in the wings and everyone's on stage and they're bowing and they're getting their applause and you're standing in the wings and you're still waiting for yours. But know that there is a heavenly applause for what you've done. Even if you're not thanked, and I'm sorry if I've not thanked you, even if you're not thanked, Jesus says to you, you are significant, you matter, you've been underestimating me for too long, he says to you, stop underestimating who you are and what God can do in and through you. Thanks for listening to Comchurch Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.